Well, Happy New Year, church. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Uh, For those of you on our Crescent campus, we want to say good morning. For those of you at St. Greg's, good morning. For all of you from our Carroll campus, we will have services again live um, in the building on site January 9th. Um, Today, we are online only so that our staff and our volunteers can have a day to worship together with their families and and honestly, just kind of unwind from the Christmas chaos. Um, I do want to say that our Christmas services were absolutely awesome. We saw people surrender their lives to Jesus. It was absolutely incredible. And I just cannot wait, cannot wait, cannot wait to see what God is going to do next here at Central. Um, Today, I'm not going to take a lot of your time because I know you're still trying to get over Christmas and get ready for school to start back up tomorrow. Um, But I thought, man, I I want our church to step into 2022 with a clear focus. But before we can step into 2022 with a clear focus, I think, and and this is just me, um, but I think it would be a tragedy for our church to have a clear focus. But as individuals, we don't have a clear focus. We don't have a clear vision for our lives. And so what I want to do today is I want to ask you three questions. Three questions that I think will help us step into 2022 with a clear focus and maybe start giving us a a little bit of vision into our lives as individual. And I think these three things will really allow us to follow Jesus more closely. And as we follow Jesus more closely, we'll see greater things happen in our church. So three questions I believe we need to ask in order to step into 2020, have a clear focus and vision, possibly for the greatest year that we've ever lived. Here we go. Number one, how can I do a better job of loving others? How can I, how can you do a better job of loving others. Now, if you're sitting there and you're hoping, oh my gosh, I hope so-and-so hears this, you, you missed the point. This is, this is all about us, all right? This is about me, this is about you. I want this to be deeply personal. You know how some people say, don't take this personally. Uh-uh, today, I want you to take this personally. Make this message personal to you. How can I, how can you, how can I do a better job of loving others? Let me, let me set it up this way. Um, the very first NFL football game I ever went to was October 26, 1980. October 26, 1980. It was Browns versus Steelers. It was Halloween weekend. And my dad had told me the bad people at the game were going to be wearing ugly costumes and dressed like clowns. Now, clowns completely freaked me out. They still freak me out today. But back then, they really freaked me out. And so I was a little bit nervous. When we got to the game, I was super confused because I didn't see any costumes. And my dad said, hey, see all the people wearing black and yellow? Those are the people dressed like clowns, and they'll be crying at the end of the game. Well, the Browns, um, long story short, Um, The Browns won 27 to 26, and people were literally crying after the game. I remember seeing fights in the parking lot, and it was just absolutely crazy. But here's the point. It's probably the first time in my life that I can remember that I noticed how people identify what team they're cheering for by what they're wearing. 
Now, all of us can resonate with that because all of us have certain things that we wear, certain things that, that, that we like, certain things that maybe, that maybe people see and they identify with. Like, like, I've got this, listen, 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 don't miss this shirt on, right? Because that's what I say all the time. And somebody got this for me for Christmas. Thank you so much. Um, and, and, and so we, we have these things, right? We have things that, that identify us. We wear them. Maybe it's a, a Nike t-shirt or it's Adidas shoes or Hey Dude shoes. And people look at that and they're like, oh, that's a Hey Dude fan or that's a Nike fan or that's an Under Armour fan or that's an Adidas fan or, or they like this music group or they like this movie or, or, or whatever. But what is it? What is it that sets us apart as followers of Jesus? What is that identifying mark that really does distinguish us as being a follower of Jesus Christ? Is it a, is it a cross necklace? Is it like a fish tattoo? Is it a a Christian t-shirt with a cool slogan on it. I mean, all those things are, are cool and, and they all make a statement, but do they make you a Christian? Uh-uh. Lucky for us, Jesus clarified this. He, he gave us a solid vision, a clear focus of this in two verses. And, and imagine this scenario. Jesus is sitting at a table and he's participating in what we now call the, the Lord's Supper. I didn't call it that back then, but that's the Lord's Supper. Um, this is the night before that he's going to be crucified. This is the night before he's going to be publicly shamed and executed. And he's talking to his disciples about some of those things. And while he's sitting there, he says this. And, and if you've been in church world for any amount of time, you, you've heard this so many times. But today, I, I, I don't want you to look at this and put your mind on autopilot. I really want you to take into consideration what Jesus is saying in these verses because they're loaded. Watch this. John chapter 13, verse 34. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says this, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Now, when Jesus said that, I don't know this for sure, but this would be my guess. Everybody at the table just sighed and rolled their eyes because they already had like 600 commandments and none of them could keep 600 commandments. In fact, none of us, like let's be honest, today, none of us can even keep the 10 commandments, right? I know people all the time, well, I could keep the 10 commandments. I get into heaven because I'm gonna keep the 10 commandments. No, no, you can't. You're lying right there. You're breaking the 10 commandments. I mean, listen, we all have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us, right? We just, we just need to come out and just admit it. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And so Jesus is telling them, hey, listen, I've got something brand new for you. I'm going to give you a brand new commandment. And they're thinking, dear Lord, we don't need anything else. Like we can't do all the other stuff. And he's gonna give us something new? All right, Jesus, fine, what, whatever. Go ahead and tell us. What do you have for us? What do you need to do? And then he said this. And he looked at each one of them and he said, love one another. Now, on the surface, that sounds really easy. Because let's be honest, some people, they're easy to love, right? I mean, they really are. If you're driving down the road and you have to pull into traffic and somebody lets you in, it's easy to love that person. It's easy to love the person that got you an awesome Christmas gift, right? It's, it's easy to love someone that takes your side in an argument. Some people are super easy to love. And then some people, oh, some people are difficult to love. Now, I could stand up here and I could give you tons of examples right here, but I don't need to. 
You understand this. Some people are hard to love, like coupon lady, right? Hard to love, right? Ask any Browns fan if they love a Steelers fan. Ask a Steelers fan if they love a Browns fan. We we understand this. But Jesus said, hey, you need to love each other. And at first, I'm sure everybody at the table is thinking, well, yeah, I mean, I, I can do that. I can, I can love other people because they're sitting around a table with people that they already like. Because most of the time when we're told, think about this, when we're told to love other people, we think about the people who are just like us. It's easy to love people who are just like us, isn't it? But then Jesus takes it to the next level and he clears up any confusion we might have with loving other people. He says, just, just as I have loved you, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. That right there took it to the next level. Because I'm going to be honest with you, and, and, and don't judge me because you're the same way. I love people who are easy to love, and I love people who love me back. But people who are angry and bitter or, or whatever, don't, don't we... Don't we have a hard time loving people like that? Somebody that's attacking me? Somebody that's attacking you? Like, I I have a hard time loving those people. But Jesus tells the disciples, hey, uh uh-uh. The way I've loved you, that's the way I need you to love other people. Now, how did Jesus love? In two ways. Letter A, unconditionally, and letter B, unceasingly. Jesus loved us unconditionally. That means that there is nothing absolutely nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God. And he loves us unceasingly, meaning he will never, ever, ever stop loving us. And Jesus said, the way I've loved you, that's how you're supposed to love other people, unconditionally and unceasingly. Now, imagine for a second who's sitting at this table with him. Let's talk about a few. There's Matthew And I'm sure Jesus locked eyes with Matthew and Matthew locked eyes with Jesus. And Matthew remembered, you know what? When I met Jesus, I was a tax collector and everybody hated me. Everybody had given up on me. But when everybody hated me and everybody had given up on me, Jesus still loves me. And that's the way Jesus wants me to love other people. And listen, if Jesus didn't give up on me, then he doesn't want me to give up on other people. And so I need to love other people that way. Listen, I'm saying this for somebody watching today that maybe you feel like Jesus has given up on you. Jesus and Matthew are sitting at this table together. Jesus didn't give up on Matthew. And if he didn't give up on Matthew, he hasn't given up on you either. Jesus loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. He's looking at Matthew and saying, hey, the way I love you, that's the way you need to love other people. I'm sure he he locked eyes with Peter. Here's what's crazy. Peter's greatest sin hadn't even happened yet. After this, he he goes out, and we know the story. He goes out, and he denies Jesus three times, and Jesus still loved him, and Jesus still pursued him after the resurrection. And Jesus is looking at Peter saying, hey, you know what? I love you right now. And the way that I love you right now is the way that I'm going to love you three days from now. And that's the way you need to love other people. I'm sure Jesus is looking at Thomas. 
Thomas, the guy who doubted that the resurrection even took place. And he's saying, Thomas, you need to love other people even when they doubt, even when they deny, even when they turn away. That, that's Jesus' command for me and for you, that we love one another unconditionally and unceasingly. Because then he says this, and this is key for us as individuals and as a church, verse 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's what he said. He said, your love will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love will prove it. He didn't say your music selection will prove it. He didn't say the movies you watch will prove it. He didn't say the jewelry you wear will prove it. He didn't say the tattoos you get will prove it. The slogan on your t-shirt will prove it. No! Now, now once again, I'm, I'm not trying to bash those things, and, and I'm not saying those things to make everybody mad. I'm just saying I know people who listen to only Christian music, that don't go to R-rated movies, that have a cross necklace, that always wear Christian t-shirts, that have a a, a Jesus tattoo, and they're just absolutely mean. And being a, don't miss this, being a follower of Jesus and being rude or mean are two things that were never meant to go together. Jesus said the world would know that we are his by the way we love each other, unconditionally, and unceasingly. And so one of the questions I've asked this church to do a bunch in the past, and 2022 is gonna be no different, is I want us to constantly be praying, Jesus, teach me to see other people as you see people. Jesus, teach me to see other people as you see people. In other words, teach me to see my relative as you see them. Teach me to see my spouse, Jesus, as you see them. Jesus, teach me to see my boss in the same way that you see my boss. In my case, teach me to see coupon lady, right? Jesus is probably, let's be honest, he's probably a little mad at coupon lady too, just, just saying. But, but seriously, Jesus, teach me how to see people the way you see people. Because listen, 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 don't miss this. When we see like Jesus sees, we're more likely to do what Jesus says. When we see like Jesus sees, we're more likely to do what Jesus says, and Jesus says, love one another. Jesus said, the world will know us. The world will know that we are his by the way we love one another. How can I be better at loving other people? This leads to question number two. How can I have clarity in my spiritual journey? So I step into 2022, a question I need to ask is, is how can I have clarity in my spiritual journey? How many of you have a cell phone? How many of you? Like, that's a dumb question, right? Everybody over the age of six in our society has a cell phone. I saw a kid the other day, this is a true story, couldn't have been more than six years old, talking on the phone, walking around at Walmart, got off the phone, put the phone in his back pocket, and kept walking. I was like, what, what is going on? Cell phones have changed the way that we live. But here's the thing about a cell phone. It does us no good if it's not connected, right? If it's not connected to Wi-Fi, if it's not connected to, to some sort of data service, it does us absolutely no good. In other words, you've got to have connection to use the phone. See where I'm going with this? You say, Ryan, how does this help me on my spiritual journey? Well, without connection to Jesus, we have no direction. Without connection to Jesus, we have no direction. All of us are on a spiritual journey. 
all of us, every single one of us. And every one of us has a next step in our walk with God. And your next step probably, more than likely, looks different than the person next to you. We'll talk about that at another time. But if there's no connection, there'll be no direction, and you won't know what next step to take. Does that, does that make sense? And so when I talk about connection and direction, I'm asking this question. What is it that you do that connects you to the heart of God more than anything else? What, what, what is it? What, what is that thing? Is it prayer? Is it Bible reading? Is it listening to worship music? Is it come listening to a podcast? or so like, like What is that thing? What spiritual activity do you do that connects you to the heart of God? What is that thing that connects you to Jesus and you actually feel more connected when you do it more than anything else? What is that thing? I want everyone in our church this year, like this, this is my goal for you. I want everyone in our church to figure that thing out and just do it a lot. Just, just do it over and over and over again and be connected so that you understand your direction and you know what steps to take. That's what's going to bring clarity in your spiritual journey. Get connected on a personal level. Then I want everybody, everyone watching online, everybody at Creston, no matter where you're at, I want everybody to get connected through the church. Like we say here, like one of our, one of our things is, is our mission our goal, our vision is to connect people to Jesus and each other. That's why, that, that's why Central Church exists, to connect people to Jesus and each other. That's, that's, that's what we're going after. And so if you say that Central Church is your home church, if that's your church, there are five ways that you could be connected, five habits that you need to get, um, that you need to create in your life in 2022 and beyond. The first one is this, attend regularly. Attend regularly. That's the habit of, of making church a priority. Everybody say priority. <laughs> priority. Type it in. Do whatever you got to do. The habit of making church a priority. Number two, serve purposefully. That, that means getting the habit of sharing your gifts and talents to further the mission of Central Church, connecting people to Jesus and each other, doing everything short of sin to reach people who are far from God. So, so serve purposely, using your, your gifts and your talents within the context of the church to help us do that. Number three, give generously. And that's the habit of giving back from what God has given me. That's, that's what it is. Get in the habit. Get in the habit of giving. Get in the habit of giving generously. Number four, connect relationally. Just connect relationally. It's the habit of experiencing life change by engaging in authentic relationships. It's the idea of knowing we can't do life alone. So we get together, we do this thing called church, and we have authentic relationships with each other. Number five is invite boldly. The habit of intentionally and personally sharing central services and events. Telling your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your family, hey, why don't you come? Why don't you come check it out? Why don't you come to a place where I know you could have an encounter with Jesus Christ? Those are five ways that you can connect to Jesus and each other here at Central. Listen, you're going to hear us talk about these five things every single 
week here at Central in 2022. Every week, we're going to bring up either all five of them or one of them or three of them, but you're going to hear them. And at the end of 2022, stepping into 2023, you're going to know them. You're going to have them all down pat. They're going to be habits in your life. They're going to be habits in my life. Because listen, consistency, consistency and connection always gives us direction. It's consistency. Hey, hey, little secret, little secret. Next week, every gym in America is going to be slammed. But don't worry, it's only going to last like 10 to 13 days. You know why? Because people are going to go and they're, and they're not going to have six-pack abs, right? Like they're, they're not going to have six-pack abs in 10 days, so they're going to go get a six-pack and go home. Like that, that's, right? I mean, that's, that, that's what's going to happen because everybody knows, everybody that's ever been in the gym or the fitness world knows it's consistency that gets us in shape. It's consistency that gets us where we want to go. The same thing in our walk with Jesus. Consistency. And connection leads to direction. And so we're going to talk about these five points every single week. But not only are we going to talk about it, we are going to show it. We're not just going to say we want to connect people to Jesus and each other. We are going to live it. Because at the end of the day, listen to me. At the end of the day, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. It's not somebody who knows a bunch of theological information and can talk in Greek. A disciple is simply someone who follows Jesus. So connection, connection. Figure out a way to start your day. First five, 10, 15 minutes establishing connection. When you do that, the direction of your life spiritually will go to brand new levels. And and I'm hoping that every time you walk into the doors of Central or every time you watch online, that there's connection. Number three, what is the one thing, what is one thing that I know I need to do, but have not done? What's the one thing that I know I need to do, but I have not done? I was thinking about this the other day, and um, I want to do my best to live a life with absolutely no regrets. Now now listen, I've got regrets. I do. I've got things in the past, but I was thinking about this the other day. I, I want the rest of my life to be a no regret type of life. Because we only have one shot, right? All of us only have one shot at life. Now, some of you believe in reincarnation. God help you, right? God help you. Like, I love you because Jesus says I need to love others, right? Um, But listen, if I got to come back and do this again, we got one shot, one shot at life. And one of the verses that that has really been getting my attention lately is Psalm 90, verse 12. The Bible says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach me to number my days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, I was kind of curious about how many days old I am. And as of today, I'm 17,000. 455 days old. When you see this on Sunday, I'll be 17,458 days old. Some of you are actually asking, did you actually sit down and figure that out? No, I Googled it. Um, you can Google that. You can Google how many days and weeks and hours and second, seconds. How many sec- Like the seconds thing freaks me out. Um, but you can Google how many days old you are. Listen, I don't think, I don't know, I'm not sure, 
I don't think I'm, I'm on the, I still got another 17,455 days. The Bible says, teach us to number our days. In other words, to understand that our days are numbered. Not in a scary way. Sorry, I didn't mean to start the new year like that. But in a way that causes us to live a life with no regrets. So what is? What is the one thing that we need to do? What is the one thing that you need to do? And by the way, if something's popping into your mind right now, that's the Holy Spirit of God. That, that's, not, that, that's not me. That, that's God telling you, hey, here's the thing you've got to do. And listen, listen, listen. When, when he tells you that, you, you need to do it. Because for me, like, I'm a procrastinator. I learned as a kid how to procrastinate. My job, I shared this with you before, so this is not a new story. My, my, kid, my job as a kid was to take out the trash. I got paid an allowance for taking out the trash. That's all I had to do. I had to take out the trash and I had to feed the dog. But I learned a secret. If I kept pushing the trash down, then I didn't have to take it out as often. However, when I was a kid... We didn't have odor-proof trash bags. Um, I had a paper bag from the grocery store. Like, that, that was our trash can. And so the more you pushed down the trash, the more the kitchen would begin to stink. Well, my mom and dad caught on to my trick, and they were like, hey, you can't push the trash down, Ryan, because the more you push the trash down, the more it stinks up the entire house. That's what happens when we continually push down that thing in our life that God is trying to call out. It stinks up our lives. So what's the one thing? What's the one thing for you? Now, what I'm about to show you, um, let me say this, this first. Whether you do it or not, that one thing, Jesus still loves you. His love for you, unconditional and unceasing, right? His love for you is unconditional. Getting rid of it has nothing to do with, with our eternal life, all of us. When Jesus is pointing something out to us, though, we just need to learn how to say, yes, Lord, I surrender. Because at the end of the day, Isaiah 55 says that his ways are greater than our ways, and his plans are greater than our plans. And so there's this, there's this guy in the scriptures, and the story appears in a couple of the gospels. We're going to look at it in the gospel of Mark. He's named the rich young ruler. We don't know his real name. We just know him as rich young ruler. So he comes up to Jesus and he says, hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus kind of lists off a few things. And the guy goes, well, you know, man, I've done those things. And, and I think, I think when, he's, when he does this, I think he's being sincere. He says, hey, I, I've, I've done those things. What do I still lack? In other words, I've gone to church. I've read my Bible I've prayed, I've, I've kind of done this, and I've kind of done that. What's holding me back right now? And then this exchange happens, and I want you to watch very carefully the words that Mark uses in his gospel. It says this in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt, look at, watch this. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Makes sense, right? Because we already talked about it. Sat at the table, and he told the disciples, love one another. Because I have loved you. Listen, listen, listen. No matter where you're watching from today, you need to understand that God, as he looks at you today, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you or when it happened, he looks at you and he feels genuine love for you, period. And it's not based on our performance. 
It's based on our position as his children. So his, his love for us, all right, his love for us is not in question. Felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told them. He, he looked at the guy and he said, okay, okay, okay. Hey, you, you've, lived a, you've lived a great life. On the morality scale, you're probably going to score higher than most people. But listen, one thing, there's one thing in your life that you need to deal with. And, and I'm sure this guy had out, you know, like his journal and his pen. And he's getting ready to write it down. And then this happened. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. I want to pause real quick and I want to say that this verse right here has been abused so much. It's been used to tell people, if you're rich, you're ungodly. You should never be rich. You shouldn't drive a nice car. You shouldn't have a nice home. You shouldn't have a nice phone. You shouldn't have a nice clothes. And and, and, and listen, this is probably another message for another time, but I want to say this. It's not whether you're rich or poor. It's where your heart is. Jesus, don't, don't miss this. Jesus wasn't addressing the world when he said this. He was addressing one person who Jesus knew that money had a stronghold in his life. He was locking eyes with one guy. This is not a mandate for the entire world. This is him telling one guy, hey, there's one thing that you lack. And and, and don't miss this. Jesus wasn't telling him this to take something away from him. Jesus was was telling him this because he wanted to add value to him. And then he told him, he said, hey, if you do this, you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. He was invite. don't miss this. He was inviting this guy on a journey. He was inviting this guy to have a front row seat to the resurrection, which happens six chapters later in Mark chapter 16. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, come and follow me and your life will suck. He was saying, hey, if you deal with this one thing, this one thing, and if you'll come and follow me, You'll have a front row seat to the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. I'm giving you an opportunity to join me, go on a journey with me, and watch miracles happen. Then watch what happens in verse 22. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. His one thing, his one thing was the main thing in his life and it was the only thing that he told Jesus no to. What's his name? What's his name? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Because he held on to the one thing that Jesus told him to let go of. What's the one thing that Jesus is saying, that's the thing that you need to let go of? What is it? What is the thing that, that Jesus is telling you, hey, this is what you need to start doing? If that's what Jesus is telling you to start doing, guess what? That's what you need to start doing. What's the one thing that God's telling you to stop doing? That's the thing you need to stop doing. It's a phone call you need to make. It's the forgiveness that you need to offer, whether it's accepted or not. It's the addiction that you need to admit. It's the problem that you need to ask help for. What's the one thing? Listen to me. Until... You deal with that one thing. We'll never step into the, the, the life that Jesus wants for us, an abundant life. Until we deal with that one thing, we'll never step into the main thing that Jesus wants for our lives, which is an abundant life. 
So what needs to be our focus? What needs to be our focus for 2022? Let's review. Number one, how can I do a better job of loving others? How can I do a better job of loving others? That's a great, 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 great question for all of us to ask. Jesus, how can I do a better job of loving others? Jesus, help me see people like you see people. Listen, that question will not only change you, but it will change the other it will change the way other people see Jesus because they see him through us loving them. The second question we need to ask is how can I have clarity in my spiritual journey? How can I have clarity in my spiritual journey? Remember, clarity comes from connection, and without connection, there's no direction. So what can you do? Five, 10, 15 minutes a day, every day that connects you to the heart of Jesus. What, what is it? What is that thing that you can do? Because through consistency and connection is where we'll find direction in our walk with God. Last but not least, what's that one thing? What's well, simply that one thing that I need to do that I have not done? What's, what's the one thing? Just like Jesus told the rich young ruler, there's a thing you lack. If Jesus was standing in front of you right now, what is the one thing that you know you need to do? I, I've got my thing. I, I do. I, I've got it. God is, is working on it with me. He is. But what's the one thing you need to do in 2022 in order to take your next step? Listen to me. By giving up one thing, He's inviting us into things that will absolutely blow our minds. Maybe, maybe for you, the thing is to turn your life over to Jesus. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never um, received the gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ is offering to you. And 2022 needs to be the time that you do that. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to, to just surrender to whatever it is that God is saying, hey, Hey, start, start doing this. What, what is it? You want to have an incredible 2022? Surrender to God and his will for your life. Thank you, Central, for tuning in today and for joining us. I'm looking forward to being with you all next week and really celebrating what God is going to do in 2022. Because in Jesus and only in Jesus, the best is always yet to come. I love you, and I'll see you next Sunday.